Chapter Thirteen of Natalie Page. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Natalie Page by Catherine Haviland Taylor. Chapter Thirteen. Blue Monday. Everything started wrong Monday morning when Amy found that Evelyn was going to return some violets Mr. Apthorpe sent her it's disgusting she said for they have an orchid in them and then she stood looking out of the window and tapping on the glass with her finger-tips going to rain all day she said next i know it will slow rains like this always do and i haven't a decent thing for fall wear look how the leaves are blowing must have come for blocks it's a horrid time and then she sat down and stared dismally ahead of her i felt like that too for the day was depressing and the happenings of the afternoon before had left me feeling fearful of what might come next it had all been reasoned out that a pair of thieves had worked together and that one finding mr kempwood alone had thought what his pockets might hold worth the risk of holding him up and the empty jumo mansion had afforded another opportunity it was all reasoned out as i said and sounded well but i didn't believe it i knew it was connected with my bracelet there were too many signs that pointed to this i was absolutely sure i've never had any orchids said amy after a few moments and mother didn't let me have any summer furs and sometimes i don't know what life has held for me except pain and going without then she fumbled for a handkerchief consider she said oratorically after she had wiped her eyes how could i use that orchid here i am taking lattice howell to bertha clay's little party this afternoon bertha asked me to stop for her and i could so easily use it to impress them i never liked them because they have constantly impressed upon me that they were older i think an orchid mashed in a lot of violets would make them sit up and respect me i agree with her do you think evelyn would give them to you i asked maybe she could tell him she wouldn't accept them but that you would that's like you said amy and almost sneered so i realized that my suggestion wasn't a good one we were quiet after that for i didn't know what to say and amy didn't want to talk the direction of the rain had changed and it began to fall more quickly beating a little sombre tune upon the window as it fell the ivy on the house next door was dripping and the leaves hung their heads and here and there were thin spots where the arms of the vines stood out boldly against the bricks fall had come i could see down below the pavements would be sticky with rain and dust together making a paste and here and there a leaf would glue itself tight to the sidewalk its colors spoiled by the city dirt it had caught after it fell i knew what would be happening at home every little lane would have a bonfire after dark and the sparks from those would fly against the first gray night sky then the girls and boys would come out and all play hide-and-seek all over the town and even down by the river and the lumber and the air would be cool and make you want to run and the leaves would rustle in every gutter for there are so many trees that even with sweeping up and burning the leaves constantly 
there are always more and more and more and the crowd would roast apples and corn and the creek is lovely in the late afternoons echoing as it does all the red and golden world we always had paper chases in the fall too and that was great fun because the paper would get lost in the leaves and the trail was easily lost sitting there in that hot stuffy apartment i saw it all and i seemed to smell the burning leaves and the odor of baking apples and hear the snap of chestnuts as they opened in the heat and oh how i wanted it i wanted to go home and play ball in the middle of the street to see miss hooker mincing along and hear her call natalie aren't you ashamed to play ball a great girl like you to go home way after supper-time so hungry that i ached under my belt and to find that bradley dear had made fresh doughnuts and that uncle frank had all three pairs of glasses on his forehead and was hunting them all so that he could look more closely at a cocoon he had just found oh i wanted it i think i would have been utterly miserable but amy diverted me going to take them she said standing up evelyn will never know and he won't go rooting around in a returned box if he has any sense of fitness he will fling it from him with a curse and bury his head in his arms i knew amy had read that somewhere because it wasn't her style but i didn't say i knew it wouldn't he she questioned i said i supposed he would well then what's the use of those violets and that orchid rotting she asked and she acted exactly as if i were opposing her although i was not often i have found people do this when they want to convince themselves they shout at you as if you instead of their conscience were objecting i said there wasn't any i hate waste she said loudly and stood up and hasn't the government preached against waste for ages orchids are much more valuable than flour i knew that and said so then she confided that the box was in the hall waiting for ito to take it down and that evelyn had put a note inside amy said she was going to take the note out and slip it under the cord and weight the box with something light so that its emptiness wouldn't be suspicious then she left to return in a moment looking very satisfied put an old pair of stockings in it she said evelyn had thrown them in the waste-basket because they had a run up the back and it feels just right when you lift it ito took the flowers and put them in the pantry refrigerator and said he wouldn't speak of them after i gave him fifty cents i hated that but when you consider an orchid and violets are cheap at fifty cents after that she was quite cheered up and i became so too we decided we must right the wrong we had done and fix up evelyn's and mr apthorpe's quarrel and it seemed quite safe to blame it on jane but it wasn't we took a piece of paper out of the wastebasket and amy wrote i did it i put the paste in the basket as a joke i beg forgiveness jane i said that wasn't like jane and we compromised on i done it i put that there paste in the basket and kindly ask your pardon jane and we giggled quite a little overdoing it then we took it to evelyn's room and put it back of the hair receiver suppose she speaks to jane i asked amy looked annoyed you have more sensible suggestions that make trouble she complained but she wrote this addition if this is as much as spoke of i shall leave and she said that she was glad i thought of it 
they always mention leaving she said it's as much a part of modern servants as their uniforms it gives such the touch and then feeling very clever we went to the living-room where we had lunch on a little table before the fire there was a man in the dining-room arranging for new hangings and i was glad for eating on the small table was fun and cosy that part of the day was nice we talked to ito as he served and told him how tired we got of nourishing food and asked him if there wasn't something sweet in the kitchen beside the blanc-mange which aunt had ordered for us he thought so and vanished to return with fruit-cake and meringues which had nothing to go in them but which we accepted with gratitude altogether it was a charming hour amy grew confidential i suppose the firelight and the closed-in feeling that the rain pattering on the windows gave us made that and she told me of her ambitions she is going to marry a millionaire who worships the ground she walks on and live on fifth avenue in the biggest house there and have henry hutt paint her portrait because she loves this kind of art and she said her husband would have her portrait in a little room all lined with pink velvet and put violets under it the portrait not the velvet every day she has it all arranged he is to be a broker and after coming home from downtown he will go in that room which amy calls his heart sanctuary and kneel before her picture i asked her why he didn't kneel before her and she said she'd be off playing auction or at the matinee then she ate her third meringue and stared absently into the fire life is what you make it she said and then he is going to wear a checked suit and a red tie i couldn't see him kneeling in that pink room and that rig but i didn't say anything what are you going to do with your future she questioned after an interval of silence i told her i only asked to be allowed to climb fences and ride and fish and stay at home in queensburg then i realized i had not been tactful and tried to fix it up but i couldn't and our nice time was spoiled amy told me that i was frightfully gauche and embarrassed her and evelyn a lot and as for my staying at home it was only kindness of them to take me out of it and then she spoke of my new clothes which i did not think was nice and told me just how much aunt penelope had paid for them i felt myself growing white as you do when you are very hurt and i told her i would some day pay for those clothes after which she stopped speaking and looked embarrassed don't worry about that she said in a moment mother expected to have to do that for you she said she knew your things would be frightful i thought of mrs bradley's making them and all the weariness of the rain and the many miles which lay between me and queensburg sunk into my heart and ached i felt miserable mother is going to speak to you amy went on she hasn't any time before wednesday morning but she has you marked for then i saw it on her pad natalie ten is on it she is going to ask you to be more careful of your conversational topics i suppose you know you didn't make a hit yesterday i hadn't supposed i had but i didn't know i'd done anything very wrong i said i was sorry if i had you should be said amy that description of how wasps laid eggs annoyed evelyn someone else was talking about the russian arts and you came in with that and it sounded queer egg-laying is not a subject for afternoon teas anyway i didn't see why not but i didn't say so 
what i did say was that i was sorry i had annoyed evelyn and that some day in some way i would pay them back all i was costing them then i stood up and said i thought i would go off and rest for a little while my voice sounded heavy and dull as voices do when someone has put out all your inside fire with the cold douche of their disapproval amy shrugged her shoulders and didn't reply and i went to my room here i sat down and thought sort of miserably we had had lights on in the drawing-room and the fire had cheered but my room unlit was gray and seemed chilly in spite of being really warm then i tried to write uncle frank and bradley dear but i couldn't as i tore up what i had written and turned away from my small desk my attention was caught by a movement at the window i saw the inner drapery ripple and that someone was hidden behind it i got up shaking horribly and went to the hall to call ito he was slow to answer my ring and when he at last did it was no wonder that the curtain hid nothing wind he said i shook my head then he looked around thoroughly but nothing could be seen wind he said and this time as a statement but i was not convinced although i let him think i was i heard amy dressing in the adjoining room and i was glad she hadn't heard the noise or what it was about i asked ito not to tell her and then because i did not want to talk to her just then put on a plain gray sailor a long coat and my overshoes and started out the rain had almost stopped and was beginning to be a mist i didn't put up my umbrella but let it blow against my cheeks and it helped me after i had walked eight or nine blocks i began to feel better i did not think amy had been kind but i began to realize that her lack of it was not all her fault no one had ever seemed to have time to teach her the rules the rules that make you take a beating without noise and make you treat the visiting team as if they were royalty and make you shoulder your own mistakes they would have taught her to stand up to punishment even if it wasn't hers and bear this unless the other fellow was big enough to speak and she would have learned that it isn't decent to give a person things and then speak of the cost mrs bradley and uncle frank and baseball taught me those things and with all my heart i am grateful that i have learned them for although knowing how to enter a room is nice knowing how to be square is of most importance and i am sure it should come first i walked a long way the streets were more empty than usual and i liked that the gray skylights caught in the wet pavements which reflected everything and it was pretty i began to feel very much better on my way home i found a woman selling violets and i bought a little bouquet for mr kemp wood it took all of two dollars which uncle frank had sent me but i was so glad to spend it that way i stopped at mr kemp wood's going up evelyn had just driven up in a motor but she was with friends whom i didn't know so i didn't wait i don't think to be honest that she wanted me to for she only looked quickly at me and my violets gave a casual wave and turned back to speak to the group in the car mr kempwood had not gone downtown and was glad to see me and i took off my coat and sat down with him before a fire it seemed hot as indoors so often does after you've been walking fast in the rain i felt my cheeks grow warm he was very glad to get the violets and put them in a little glass basket that shimmered with hundreds of colors 
he said they were positively the nicest violets he had ever had and i could see that he really liked my bringing them to him i hadn't dreamed that it would please him so much and i began to be honestly happy after a while without his knowing why i asked it i asked if he had thought the mention of how a certain sort of wasp laid eggs was wrong and i told him about how they did it mentioning uncle frank with pride uncle frank of course has taught me all i know of insect life it seems this sort of wasp lays eggs in the back of caterpillars the shaved varieties and they hatch there and eat the caterpillar who dies which i think is sad but clever of the wasp and i told him that i had heard of a country girl telling this story at a tea and embarrassing people to whom she was related and why shouldn't she and was it terrible and didn't he feel sorry for the caterpillar he answered at length he said that it was perfect rot for any one to be offended by that and why should they be he grew quite angry the world he said is full of fools nat you couldn't say anything unpleasant my dear it isn't in you i didn't want him to know it was i and i thought i had fixed it so he wouldn't but he was very clever you can say anything he went on if you look at it in the bright true light of decency and speak of it aloud i nodded my eyes on him i know i agreed my dear i know you do he said then he asked if he might smoke and lit a cigarette i think that's an interesting story he continued after a few puffs and i'll admit it was clever of mrs wasp but pretty hard on the amiable caterpillar think of being out for a stroll and having a day nursery grafted on you and then consider finding yourself a boarding-house and on top of that being asked to supply meals at all hours i don't blame the old boy for kicking off it would be simply too much i wondered how he could protect himself and mr kempwood said he shouldn't have shaved he said shaving made men lots of trouble anyway and if this fellow had been wise and grown a van dyke on his back all troubles with the adopted family would have been avoided then i said i must go and stood up do you think i asked that madame jumel ever had a servant who grew blind or did any one who was ever blind love her very much i heard said mr kempwood that one of those french refugees went blind and that she let him stay around the place but don't know how much truth there is in it some one who had known the coachman's son said that this old chap used to sit out near the back door and sing peasant songs of his part of france and that he worshipped old madame jumel i think perhaps he missed royalty and that she seemed that to him anyway it is said that he swore he would do anything for her that she asked and that blind or not he would accomplish what he set out to do i was interested and it was as i supposed why do you ask he questioned some day perhaps i'll tell you i responded but not now and then i left as i started for my walk that day i had passed the blind man and for a space in one empty street he had followed me and as i returned i found him sitting huddled up in a little dry spot near the basement entrance of our building i meant to keep the bracelet it was mine but keeping it was beginning to be a terror-striking matter i thought of it fearfully i will confess as i went up to our apartment 
but once there all thoughts of madame jumel's servant madame jumel and my bracelet fled for evelyn stood in the centre of the hall orating to aunt penelope she held an empty box in one hand and the note amy and i had written and signed with jane's name in the other and then i felt the blue spot in all that blue monday End of chapter thirteen